well, everybody look at the screen. About five minutes before we got started, uh, I was informed that uh, my slides are gone. So, uh, say a little prayer for me and show some grace, okay? <laughs> Today I'm going to talk for a little while about losing Jesus. I want to read from uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I don't know if you've ever lost a child before, even if for a few minutes. I have three children. I've lost them all. not proud to say that, but uh, that's just the truth. When Drew was just a little fellow, we were at a mall in Norman, Oklahoma, in a clothing store, and uh, I don't know, he couldn't have been more than probably four years old. And uh, all of a sudden, turn around, he was gone. Can't find him anywhere. And I look over there, assuming, hoping he's over there with Becky, and so call out to her, you see Drew? No, she didn't see Drew. I think even Becky's mother was with us and uh, thought maybe she's with her. And so anyway, we all get to looking around, can't find Drew anywhere. Start calling his name, getting louder and louder. And other people in the store realize what's going on and they're starting to look for Drew. And so by that point, uh, you know, after a few minutes, nobody finds him in the store. And so I'm thinking... So he's wandered out in the mall. So I'm starting to look for a security person to shut the mall down, not let anybody out. And Becky's, you know how Becky can get. Uh, and so uh, you can imagine it was a kind of a frantic situation there for a little while. And finally Drew appears uh, from the clothing store. There was one of those round clothes racks and he had crawled up into the middle of that thing and he thought it was funny that he was hiding from us and so he wasn't uh, making a sound. Well thankfully he was fine 
And, uh, but man, that, that's scary. You ever been in that situation? That, you don't, you don't want to be like that. Well, we, we uh, lost Katrina one time. She was probably 10 years old, something like that. In fact, we were in the Fort Worth Convention Center, downtown Fort Worth. Becky and her partner, uh, Rebecca, were at a craft show, and they were selling their wares there, and it was about time to uh, break down the booths, pack everything up, and head back to Tyler, where we were living at the time. And uh, so I'm there to, you know, I'm, I'm the mule that does the work, and so uh, I'm packing up, loading up, and all of a sudden we can't find Katrina. Same kind of thing that we went through with Drew at the mall. We're frantically looking for her, and, you know, there's crowds of people there everywhere and strangers, and, you know, your mind can start racing and thinking the worst. And finally, uh, we did find her uh, in the parking lot uh, with a friend. So uh, anyway, she didn't tell us she was going out there. And so it was pretty scary, really was. And then Jonathan, we lost Jonathan as well. Uh, we were in Tyler, and uh, he had been grounded. Uh, he had ridden his bicycle in places that he had been forbidden to ride his bicycle. And so he was grounded and wasn't supposed to go anywhere, uh, confined to the house. And uh, we found him after a long, frantic search we found him at a little old lady neighbor uh, eating candy and watching cartoons. So anyway, we've lost them all. And uh, it's not fun. I can't imagine what it would be like to lose one for three days. That's what Joseph and Mary went through. A 12-year-old for three days. You try to use your imagination. If you have a a 12-year-old or one about that age or when yours was 12 or when yours will be 12, just think about it. Think about if your child was gone for three days. It would be horrifying, terrifying, very disturbing. Imagine the relief to find them. And you know, in that moment when you find a lost child, it's a weird moment because on the one hand, you want to just grab them and pick them up and hug them and kiss on them and, and just love all over them. And you also want to wring their necks all at the same time. Especially if it's a 12-year-old that ought to know better and is making no effort to be found. And so that's probably what Joseph and Mary were thinking. Because Jesus, as you can see by the conversation that I read, in her mind, why did you do this to us? But you know, a lot of people have lost Jesus. Yeah. So let's talk about that. How, do, how does a person lose Jesus? Well, there are many stories in the Bible of people who lost God, relationally speaking. 
They turned away from God or rebelled against God. They left God. You know, that's the thing about God and Jesus. They're not going anywhere. Jesus said at the end of the book of Matthew, he said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Hebrews 13, 8 says he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's not going anywhere. So the way we lose Jesus is our fault. It's not him. He's not the one going anywhere. We're the ones that go somewhere. We're the four-year-old that wanders off at the mall. We're the little guy that sneaks off to the neighbor's house for candy. We're the culprit. But how does that happen? What causes us to wander away? Well, the very first people God put on the earth, Adam and Eve, what did they do? How did they turn away from God? How was it that they got removed from the Garden of Eden? Well, really, it was about self, wasn't it? It was about putting yourself above God or in place of God. It was taking God's word and thinking, eh, did he really mean that? He's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. This will be okay. Human reasoning and rationalization sometimes can get you in trouble. Anybody that's married knows that. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the thing is, they got to thinking and talking and sharing and found themselves booted out of the Garden of Eden. Remember King Saul, the people's king, the people's choice, the popular king, first king of Israel, the man that was a head taller than everybody else and the most handsome man in the country, a powerful, mighty warrior. And what happened to Saul? His pride got the best of him. He got to thinking more highly of himself than he ought to think. And that pride caused God to leave him. Remember Samson, the strongest man in the world. Great stories in the Bible about Samson. And yet, God left him. Samson got out of control. Samson was in it for his own pleasure. You see, when we get self in the way, many times God gets pushed out. And when you get to thinking that life is about you, when we get focused on our pleasure, getting our way, getting what we want, that's a major step in the wrong direction. And you can find yourself wandering away from God and losing Jesus in the process. We've all seen it many times. Even nations, the nation of Israel, the people of God, they lost God. Over a long period of time, many, many times and ways, 
they left God by becoming so caught up in the environment, in the world, and the cultures around them, they were so enticed by the other gods, by their way of life, that they stopped following the true God and accepted foreign gods, idols, other philosophies, different ways of thinking and living. And they found themselves away from God. They lost God. They lost their way. It's a very sad thing when somebody loses their way. Every one of us knows somebody who has lost their way. It is very heartbreaking. And everybody has their own story. And probably no two of them are exactly alike. But ultimately, many, many times it boils down to self. If self gets in the way, God can be eliminated from your life. Another way you can lose Jesus is by losing his word. Very interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 22 and chapter 23. It's about King Josiah. Josiah was the son of King Ammon and the grandson of King Manasseh. Manasseh and Ammon were two of the most wicked kings that the people of God ever had serving them. In fact, Ammon was assassinated when his son Josiah was eight years old and Josiah became the king. So here's Josiah, an eight-year-old king. And the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 2 that uh, Josiah was known, he became known for being someone who was wholly devoted to the Lord. An interesting thing happened in the reign of King Josiah. One person who made a major impact in King Josiah's life and who really was probably more than anybody else the one who influenced him to serve God was the high priest Hilkiah. And so at some point in Josiah's reign, they wanted to clean up the temple, renovate the temple. The thing had become a mess. It had become run down and trashed, and it was just awful, and it was upsetting to Josiah and Hilkiah. And so they have this massive renewal a reconstruction. And so during all of the cleaning process, they happened on, Hilkiah found the book of the law. It had been gone. Nobody had known where it was. And so nobody had been reading it. Nobody had been listening to it read. The book of the law had disappeared. And the sad thing about it, it's almost as if Nobody noticed. And it was found in the temple, which was the very place it was supposed to be kept, protected, guarded, and used. It was supposed to be acknowledged and read at the temple. And yet there it was, lost in the temple itself, and nobody knew it and nobody cared. 
No wonder the nation was in such a sad state of affairs under the reign of Josiah's father and grandfather. Because that was the situation. Nobody had access to, nobody was reading or hearing the law of God. So when they found it, King Josiah tore his clothes. Now culturally, that is just a symbol of grief and repentance, regret and sadness. And so he's so upset at the realization of what has happened, what has taken place in the kingdom. And by the discovery of the law of God, it hit him, I think, full face, the despicable state of the people and how they had left God. So what they do? They read it. They read it to everybody, and they made a covenant. Josiah himself made a covenant that he, with all his heart and soul, would follow the commands of God. And he did. And he restored God's people to a much, much better state. But you see, a whole nation can lose God. And I fear that's what's happening in our nation. You keep kicking God out of one place after another. You keep bad-mouthing, demeaning Christianity. You keep persecuting Christians and making fun of people who believe in God. You keep doing that and you just see where that gets you as a nation. See where that leads. See what good that does. And we're finding it. I think it starts with all of us. With individuals. If there's going to be a revival in this country, if there's going to be a revival in this church, it's going to have to start not with elected officials, not with politicians. When you put your hope in politicians, your, your hope's in the wrong place. And I don't, care, I don't care if you're Republican or a Democrat or independent or whatever. I don't care. If your hope is in the politicians, your hope is in the wrong place. You need to start with the man in the mirror. Michael Jackson. You need to start with the man in the mirror. Seriously. You need to look at yourself. You can make a difference. You can choose to live for God. You can choose obedience. You can choose it. Did you know that illiteracy in the church today is rampant? It's at an epidemic level. Seriously. Did you know in a survey a couple of years ago that LifeWay made among churches all over the country that 40% of people who go to church do not read their Bibles more than once a week. 40%. 
40% of Christians don't even open the Bible more than once a week. And that's in the church. I had a neat little diagram, <laughs> pie chart kind of a thing. I'm going to try to remember some of it. 10% of the people say they never read the Bible. Twenty percent, one out of five, one out of five Christians say they never read the Bible. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Those of you, the one out of every five that never reads your Bible, why don't you stand up? I'm kidding. Look, the thing is, the point is, we need to get back to the Word of God. We need to find the Word of God. And we need to read the Word of God. We need to understand that there is life in the Word of God. The Word of God is living. It is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It can cut to the dividing of the, the bones and the marrow, the, the spirit, the soul of man. That's why like in Acts 2, Verse 37, when they heard the message that Peter had preached on that occasion, the Bible said they were cut to the heart. The Word of God can touch you. It can move you. It can motivate you. The Word of God can change your life. But it's not going to do it if you don't read it. Only 9% only 9% say they have read the entire Bible more than one time. I think I'm safe in saying that probably none of us, myself included, None of us read the Bible as much as we should. If you're going to lose the Word, you're going to lose Jesus. There is a direct correlation because never, ever, ever forget Jesus, according to John chapter 1, is the living Word of God. So how do I find Jesus? We can lose Jesus in many ways. You, you know, before I go there, the last thing I want to say about you can lose Jesus at church. Did you know that? Remember, where'd they lose the Word of God? The temple. The temple. Anybody read Ezekiel 10 lately? What happened in Ezekiel 10? 
God left the temple. That's what happened in Ezekiel 10. God left the temple. He's gone. Now, the people were still going to church. In other words, the people were still going to a building. They were praying in that building. They were offering sacrifices at that building. They were doing religious activities at the building. But the Bible said God was not there. He was not there. If it can happen at the temple, it can probably happen anywhere. Don't you think? So, in order for us to not lose God, let's keep a healthy biblical perspective of who we are. And the Bible says we are to consider others as better than ourselves. We are to humble ourselves before God. We are to serve other people. We are to love those around us in such a way that we seek their best interests. If that's our view of people, if we're always looking out for the good of the other person, if we're always serving and giving and helping and doing good, if we're loving each other, we're not going to lose Jesus. We are not going to lose Jesus. If we have a healthy respect for the Word of God, if we preach the Word of God, if we read the Word of God, if we talk about the Word of God, if we study the Word of God, if the Word of God is important to us and we seek God in it, we're not going to lose Jesus. If you get in the Gospels and you read and you look and you search for what kind of man Jesus is, what kind of person he is, how he related to the people around him, why he did the things that he did, why he acted the way that he acted. If you look at Jesus and learn as much as you can about Jesus and talk to each other about Jesus, share what you learn, share what you think, share your questions, talk about Jesus together. We're going to keep Jesus in the forefront of our minds. Sing about Jesus, pray to Jesus, act like Jesus. Realize that Jesus is with you, living in you through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. If you live your life with a full realization of the presence of Jesus Christ in you, with you, you're not going to lose him. You're not going to lose him. And we have to keep that focus. Remember the parable of the sower. Remember, some of the seed fell by the wayside, some of the rocky ground, some among the thorns. We heard this on a Tuesday night not long ago, across the street. But that which fell among the thorns 
was described as the cares and the pleasures and the riches of this world. And it chokes out the Word of God. It chokes it out. I wondered today how many of us would be choking and coughing and hacking if we could actually see the spiritual state that we are in through our body. The things of this world can choke Jesus out of your life. You can get so wrapped up in sports, in video games, spending all your time surfing on the internet, being busy. Busyness is one of the sure ways to lose Jesus. You can get so busy, so wrapped up in your work or your family or your hobbies or whatever in the world it is, and you can ignore the most important person in the world, and it's Jesus. There's a lot of things that we're interested in and things that are fun and things that need to get done, need to do this, need to do that. Probably most of us have a list of things either mental or literally written down, things that I need to do this week. And sometimes it can be church. Really, sometimes it can be programs. You can get so busy doing church work that you lose Jesus. Isn't that something? I had to tell a man one time to stop going out every night and inviting people to church because he was losing his family. He would never stay home with his kids and his wife. Praise team, why don't you come on up here? You know this morning, the bad thing about me losing my slides is that I'll probably start rambling and that means I talk too long so I'm just going to shut up I think I've made my point you don't want to lose Jesus really I don't want to lose Jesus Jesus said one time what good is it going to do you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, what good's it going to do you if you get to do everything you want to do in life, but you don't have Jesus? If you're here this morning and you feel like you have lost Jesus and you want to find him, all you got to do is search. All you got to do is look. He wants you. He cares about you. He loves you. He wants to be found. And so we'll just give you the opportunity. We're going to stand up. Everybody stand up. And during this song, if you feel like you've lost Jesus and you want to come forward and have prayer, I'm going to ask Charles to come up and maybe Steve. And uh, we'll have some folks up here to pray with you. 
if that's your heart's desire.